Welcome to Curious Barbie Podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Lucy Liang. Lucy and I met in a coaching group where we, where we hit it off because we're so similar in our career path and like what we're exploring right now. Sometimes we are being asked a question, and then I was thinking about the answer I will have, and then I will hear Lucy telling telling the group exactly the same answer I had in my mind in a second. It just always amazed me.、Um, Lucy is a former big tech software engineer turned health, fitness, and mindset coach. She's now on a discovery journey to learn more about the human condition through interacting with life and other like-hearted people. Her own weight loss journey, plus working with more than 100 clients over the years, have taught her that any lesson, whether it be health and fitness or otherwise, can be applied to all other areas of life. Current questions she's exploring, including self-discovery and how people decide what they really want, motivation, self-sabotage. Oh my god, this one's really interesting. And how thoughts and emotions play a role in self-identity and behavior. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the show. Hi Angie, I'm so I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Okay, <laughs> so like today we will talk about how you started Coach Viva, and then we will go on to explore what you are currently thinking about in your life. So my first question for you is, why did you start Coach Viva, and where did the name come from? Yeah, yeah.、Um... So really, it was kind of something that was bound to happen at some point in my life. So Coach Viva is my、uh, my health and fitness company, and I、um, I started it with my co-founder Richa, and、um, s- to really kind of get understand like the motivation for it, like Richa and I. Co- have spent combined spent over forty five thousand dollars in like ten years of our lives trying to lose fat sustainably, trying to build muscle, and like making our relationship with food better. <laughs> and that's a like that's a lot of time and money down the drain. And it was just so confusing. Like everything, there was so much noise outside, so much contradictory information, and it, everything just felt so complicated, and it didn't make sense. And when I finally like. Uh, you know, when I finally managed to lose lose the weight and keep it off, and then also build muscle on top of that, I realized that oh, everything is actually very simple. Why is this so complicated? And how many other people are like dealing with this?、Um, and so, really, at a,、um, a a couple of years ago, while I was at Microsoft, I I realized that what I wanted to do was something. Something in the health and fitness space, something to help people like feel good in their bodies and like understand how to get there.、Um, and that's when Richa, who was also working at Microsoft, approached me with this、um, with this uh, uh, startup idea at the time, and、um, and then we decided to、uh, uh, to to do it、um, and jump full 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 on into it.、Um, and at this point in time, we basically started a.、Uh, um, Uh, we we basically have a program now that covers you know、um, nutrition, exercise, and most importantly mindset,、um, and to help people get the bodies that they want.、Um, and the name Coach Viva it, it originally was just Viva,、um, and we like the word Viva because it's like it's short, it's to the point, and、um, Viva means life, and that's really the essence that we kind of want this company to have. Like this is a it's, it's bright, it's life, and it doesn't have to feel. We don't like the you know like work hard mentality, like work hard.、Um, uh, it's like no 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 pain no gain mentality, right? So like a lot of fitness scenes, it, there's like it's very dark, and we didn't want that aesthetic.、Um, so we kind of wanted something that's like that says、um, uh, that says 
that makes you feel alive, but we also don't want it to be like, uh, kind of too fluffy either, right? <laughs> so, so then it came down to be, uh, like Coach Viva, um, is, is what we, um, ended up, uh, kind of coming, coming on with, or, or sorry, it used to, it was Viva, but then people like our clients started calling us coach and then they'd be like, Coach Viva. <laughs> so we were like, okay, <laughs> let's do Coach Viva because that's what people are calling us. And so that was, uh, that was very, um, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. So where, where were you when you are starting to thinking about starting Coach Viva? Do you mean place? I was like, I was in Seattle. I was working at Microsoft at the time, but. Could you talk more about that? Because like, I, I have an impression that if you are, if you want to do your own business and you are currently struggling with your like career position, then maybe it's easier to give up and start your own business. But we call this big companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Golden Cage, because it's really hard to give up what you already have, especially anything for me, like being in a race in Chinese culture, giving us something in a prestigious school or company is a huge thing for the family. So when you are in Microsoft and then you're thinking about starting Coach Viva, is there any doubts for you to quit the job and start your own business? Oh, oh my God, so much. And I totally re uh, relate to, you know, being from a, from an Asian family, there's like expectations, right? That, that, that you, you think your family has, um, Yes. When, when I was actually at Microsoft, I wanted to do, it, it never, it didn't even occur to me to quit. I thought what I was going to do is do something on the side. I thought I was going to be something health and fitness related on the side. I didn't know what that was yet. Um, it didn't even occur to me to quit. And as a matter of fact, Richa, Richa knew she wanted to quit. She wanted to go full on into this. And when she approached me to ask me if I wanted to be her technical co-founder on this project, which I, I was already like supporting her, but um, I didn't think about working on it um, uh, full time. And when she asked me, I actually said no at first. I was like, no, I'm not. Gonna, I'm, no, I don't. I, no, I, I don't want to quit. I, I like it here. Um, it's fine. Uh, but then she came back and she was like, well, if there's anything I can do to change your mind, let me know. And there was something about that line. I was just like, oh, wow, that's so spunky. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's, let's go, let's, um, let's meet at a cafe. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. And, and, and then, uh, obviously my mind got changed. But what really happened, what was interesting was that it, it really made me think, like during this time, I was really thinking, like, if I, wanted to do something on the side related to related to health and fitness um why why am i so attached to why am i so attached to microsoft like clearly this this is the space i'm really interested in because i'm willing to do it as my as my side project um as my side like like my side hustle clearly this is a space i'm really interested in what is it about Microsoft that is making me want to want to stay there? This was a question that um, actually Richard kind of posed this question to me. Um, and, and so I was thinking about it and, and I really had to get, I think this is the first time, um, the first major moment in my life where I really had to have a conversation with myself. Like I got really introspective on it. And what came up for me was that I, it was two things. It was the familiarity of like, it felt safe to be at a company, right? That takes care of you, right? You know, you have a consistent paycheck. Um, 
And so there was that safety and in the in the work the day to day work is 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 mainly the same. Um, it's challenging. It's definitely very challenging, but but it's mainly the same kind of work. So it felt safer to just stay. And I guess I kept telling myself like, oh, maybe I'll quit once I get to once I get to senior, or maybe I'll. But but that's what I said earlier too. I be uh, you know I I used to be like, oh, maybe I'll quit once I get to this level. Okay, no, maybe I'll quit once I get to that level. So I know that. That was just kind of like a like a like a lie I tell myself to keep myself on the, on the treadmill. Um, but then the second thing was um, that came up was that I felt afraid of telling um, other people in my life that this was going to happen. They're going to find out eventually, right? So it's like I'm going to have to tell them, and I was afraid of people finding out because I was afraid of um, of of judgment. Um, and neither of those two answers made me feel good about myself because I don't want to be the person that's afraid of judgment. And I don't want to be the person that, um, that just wants to feel safe. And at the time I, I, I had to really also just look at reality. The reality of the situation is like, if I did, um, if I did lose the stability, the financial stability, worst case scenario, I could always go back. Like it wasn't like I couldn't. So I, so that basically, you know, d- defeated the fir- that argument. And then the part about judgment, um, I-, I think I had to just convince myself um, or, uh, and really just kind of believe that like um, m- my, my, the closest people in my life, um, either they won't judge me, which is great, or, or, or they will. Um, but, it, but if they do, so, so first of all, I don't even know if they'll judge me or not, right? So that was like the first thing. It's like, Lucy, you don't even know. But if they do, what what is the cost of of um of do, not doing this um versus you know doing this and telling them? And the cost of not doing it would be resentment um, and probably burnout because I realized like I don't think I can actually work like two full two jobs at the same time that this would demand of me, um, and um, and that was. Um, burnout and resentment would be something that lasts like like a very long time um, versus any type of judgment. I feel like it's like a, you know, pull off the bandaid kind of thing. So when I kind of did that trade off, it, it just makes sense. Um, and now my parents, they, they were kind of like shocked, but they're like my biggest supporters now. Because at the end of the day, at least for my parents, I think they just want me to be, um, they just want what's best for me. And it's 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 not always expressed in the same way each time, <laughs> but I know at the end of the day they want what's best for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same for me. I right before I quit my tech job to go to become a fitness trainer, I did Tim Ferriss fear setting exercise, and what shocked me is the the cause of of inaction that will impact on my life. And after all these years, I realized that it's not about the thing that you are trying to do per se; it's how you are going to do it. That is sort of like a, a a miniature of who you are. If you if I don't do this thing that scares me today, that means that if I want to do other things that scares me, then I will also not to do that. And I think it's very relevant to what we're going to talk about later, but I just want to mention the transferability of fitness into, into life, of how we do one thing is totally reflecting what, how we do other things as well. And I did an exercise, I realized that I can all go back if I want, and maybe I can get a, even get a position in a company that is even more 
closer to what I want to do. For example, like maybe a product manager in a fitness tech company instead of being in a info tech that has really nothing to do what, with what I want to explore at that time of my life. So yeah, I found like so much, so much similarity, but I am just curious when you talk about judgments, you're afraid of people's judgment. What specific judgments were you afraid about? Yeah. Yeah. And I totally resonate with that. What you said from that Tim Ferriss podcast too. Absolutely. Um, for, for judgment, what specific, ju- this was, and I didn't just say this. This was actually very fascinating. The specific judgments were, um, that Lucy is not, is not like Lucy is a failure. That was the judgment. That was what I thought, um, people would say, like, from my parents' perspective, I would, I would be afraid that they thought, like, they tried so hard. They gave me everything, right? They gave me all the best schooling and, and everything they could. And, 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 and now I'm kind of just like throwing it down the drain, right? That, that's what I thought the, um, it would be. Um, and then from like some of my friends' perspective, I guess I just thought that they would say, like, I, I think it, it, the judgment was like, you're quitting something that is like a sure thing for like a frivolous, a frivolous passion project, I thought that they wouldn't take it seriously. And they would think that this is just some like, like a hobby that I'm going to give up on, right? For my parents side, I guess I'm, I was afraid of being seen as a failure. And then for my friend's side, I was afraid of being seen as like a joke. <laughs> I think um, that's what that was. What's actually interesting is that that told me more about myself than anything else. I, I, I found myself wondering, why do I, why am I, af- why am I afraid if people do think this, like, do I believe I'm a joke? Do I believe I'm a failure? Because if I don't believe I'm a joke or a failure, then what other people say shouldn't have that much of an effect, right? I don't think I'm fat anymore. So if somebody comes and says, Lucy, you're fat, I won't have any emotional reaction to that, right? I'd be like, well, that's not true. I don't think that's true. Whereas at that time, if somebody came and say, Lucy, you're a failure, I would have really, really taken that hardly. And so I feel like what it was is that like somewhere inside of me, like I had my own doubts as to whether or not I am actually a failure, whether or not I actually am a joke. Um, and that was very interesting takeaway. And kind of over time, as I've kind of like worked through this, I worry less and less now about what people say. And I think that's like directly correlated with my own feelings and, and security about my about myself. But why quitting a job at a big tech company is considered as failure? Because isn't it more courageous than choosing to stay in the company? I mean, a failure would be like you want to start a business and the business fail. That would be a failure. Why quitting itself or rejecting an offer is a failure? Yes, that and that was kind of the exact uh, like debate I had. That was like the exact conversation I had with myself. Um, and the answer was, it's only considered a failure if I look at my su- if I looked at success from the perspective of somebody else, not from the perspective of me. Because if you think about it from our parents' generation and their culture, as first generation immigrants, it's stability is success, right? Like finding somewhere where you can like ladder climb and and have that safe hold that 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 is success to them that doesn't necessarily mean that is success to me i think everybody has different um views on what success means some some people tie it to money some people tie it to status some people tie it to like inner peace right some people think going off to tibet and just meditating forever like that's success right because you've attained inner peace or, or whatever right and i i realized that okay everybody has a different criteria of success what is my criteria of success and so what you're saying that's perfectly yeah that that's exactly right 
it doesn't mean it doesn't mean failure, right? <laughs> to quit. It is actually like from from this perspective that we have, it's actually more courageous to go after um go after what you what you're passionate about and what you think like, you know, really you, you can really like um shine and and provide value in. Um that to me actually is success and value or sorry, success and courageous now at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um versus, you know, earlier when I was kind of like battling with that <laughs> dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me when I was making a decision, I also feel like quitting is a failure. But in Taiwan there is a very I don't know, weird social context that tech industry is on top of the social hierarchy, like the pyramid. Yes. But like in, in the Confucius culture, we don't value physical activity. We don't value sports. When Whenever we have time, we have a sports class, it will always be canceled to be made into a math class or like a Chinese class or English class. And so we consider this is, um everyone's welcome to like, give me feedback on this but i think like hiddenly what's well, getting better these years but hiddenly before when i grew up people had very mean way of thinking that only kids going to um sports science specific school because they are not good at academic academic performance and that's the stereotype we have it's getting better because like weight training and like more investment in sports science talents now and the prevalence of weight training culture, influencers starting up this like trend of working out. So people start really to value value fitness. But before it was really like a huge um, barrier for me to quit my tech job to go into a fitness industry. But I, what what do you think about the situation in the states? Yeah, it's a um, it's a it's very interesting. Kind of being. Um, born to um, immigrant parents, but being raised in the States. So I kind of have a little bit of, of that like East and West influence, like simultaneously. Um, so in the States, um, it's uh, extracurriculars, I think are more, are, are more valued, uh, sorry, not more valued above education, but like more value compared to, I think, um, Asian cultures. And um, however, I was, um, uh, taught to pri- primarily focus on my focus on my education, um, and if I do any extracurriculars, like music is the <laughs> music is the type that um, that is best. Not not really sports. Um, until like uh, until I started gaining weight, and then my parents are like, "Now you need to do more sports." But like, <laughs> but that was more for necessity's sake. Um, no. Um, but I think like. One, what was interesting or what was helpful about, I think, growing up in Western culture is that I got all these influence from like my friends as well. And also like the, um, uh, like the information that I would just consume on media. And I see examples of people like, you know, starting off doing their own thing. Um, and, um, and just kind of like doing what they, doing what they want and being happy. And there was, um, and it made me really question, like, do I want success or do I want happiness? Obviously, we want both. But like, you know, if I had to choose, which is which is actually more important to me? And um, I, I think the Western culture has a lot of independence with it, right? So um, what that means is there's more of, it's more okay to say, I'm going to do what I want to do, uh, regardless of what my friends and family say. That kind of like independence is very prized i think i think here whereas in eastern culture it's 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 more about like your family is kind of you know part of this part of this whole unit it's not just you it's also your family i I don't know if that's that's the case for you but that that was the way kind of i was taught to think about it and like 
they're here to support you and but that means you have to like consult everybody right don't don't bottle up what you want to do like like include everybody in it um and trust that they will support you and i think that um both of these things have um have their their pros and and their cons like there's definitely benefits on either side um cuz i think with the western culture um individualism can go a little bit too far to the point where you think you have to do everything yourself <laughs> and then eastern culture it can go too far to the point where everybody has an opinion and then you have to like satisfy everyone's needs right and and so it's like i feel like that middle balance exists right this is a spectrum and um uh um so so yeah i i guess being raised in western culture i i saw the spectrum i saw that there w- there was a spectrum it exists and and um rather than this is the absolute truth or this is the absolute truth. And then feeling like I have to rebel against one or the other, because it's kind of like, well, I get to, I get to, I get to be part of the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, sometimes like different things falls into different um, points of the spectrum. Sometimes like maybe in terms of a relationship, I want to go to like the Western side of the spectrum, but in terms of like familial support or like family duty, I go to the Eastern side of the spectrum. It's very interesting. I feel like for this culture differences, I can spend another 20 hours chatting with you, but I have to go back to coach Viva. So I, um, it was kind of fun for me to learn that actually it was reach out that first reach out to you. Cause I remember last time we chat, you said you were the first one that quit your job. And then yeah. you asked Richa to follow up yes. after you. What happened? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, it was really, really funny. I, cause I was still really unsure. So I decided let's do this for one month. I'm going to like, we were both still working at Microsoft. Um, and, uh, and we decided let's, let's work together for one month and do Coach Viva on the side and see like, how the partnership goes and, and, you know, if we can like make a prototype or something. Right. And, um, within two weeks, I really, in, I realized that, okay, I want to do this more than Microsoft. Like, and that's something I learned doing something. I, for me, doing something will answer so many more of my questions than if I were to just ask without like, like trying to research, like, oh, is this a good decision or is that a bad decision? Like when I actually jump in and just do the thing, the answer is super clear, right? So when I actually, like within two weeks of doing Coach Viva, I realized this is definitely what I want to do. I definitely don't want to do this <laughs> anymore. And I realized that, well, first of all, I couldn't do both at the same time. I was starting already starting to feel a little bit burnt out. Um, but then second of all, it just became so clear. So I turned, I actually turned in my resignation like two weeks later. And the trial was supposed to only last one month. But I think like I knew because like the feeling was just so much different between the two that I knew like I wanted to feel like this more. Um, and for um, um, so for for Richa, though, she actually she had a more technical issue. Um, she uh, couldn't quit her job because she was on a visa. So she was waiting to get her green card. And and after getting her green card, then she could quit and do do Viva full time. So she had an uh, she had actual logistical reasons um, for, for doing that. Trying to do this for a month is is one step you take to experiment to see if you really want to do this. Was there other experiment that you did to figure out if this is what you really want to do? That's a good question. I I there weren't any deliberate experiments, deliberate like conscious experiments I did, but um the many months kind of leading up to that point, I was um involved with um 
like a lot of uh, fitness uh, communities online. And I just knew um, after participating in those that I want to contribute to this community somehow. I want to contribute to the health and fitness space somehow. And I, at that, it, it was kind of a journey where I was just dabbling in these communities and seeing like what, what kind of sparks joy. Um, and I didn't know at the time if maybe I just want to like blog about it, or maybe I want to like actually freelance for some of these other, um, some of these other companies, right. That, that I was following. Um, I actually did freelance with, uh, with Girls Gone Strong. They're like a female and empowerment community. So I did do some freelancing work with them and I didn't do it with the intention of experimenting with what works and what doesn't work. I think at that time I was mainly just trying to find a way to get involved somehow because I just really wanted to get involved in this space. When Richa asked me to be the co-founder, it became more serious because I knew this was going to be like, if I, if I commit, it was going to be for the long haul and it was going to be like a full-time investment um, for, for, because this is going to be like our company. It's not like I'm just helping contribute to something else. So that's why I, I, I agreed to let's do one month and let's see if it works out. And then like, uh, and then decide at the end of the month. That was when it was actually a conscious commitment and then, or sorry, a conscious um, experiment. And I started really paying attention during those like couple of weeks, how I was, how I was feeling about, about the whole, the whole project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For me, I, I took on a part-time job in a gym. So nine to six, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. I work at my tech company. And after 7, I work in a gym. I wasn't even coaching. I was just like following other coaches around. But I feel like there is such a huge energy shift between yeah. two type of job. Like when I was in daytime in a tech company, I feel like a dead person. I just lounge around <laughs> trying to get through the day. But at night, I was I supposed to be exhausted, but I feel so fired up. I feel yeah. so energized just like physically being around people who trained. And that's so great. like, that's a, yeah, that's a, th- that's an experiment. At first I was just like, oh, I'm going to just try to find a client and then maybe get some part-time money. But there was a, there was a huge benefit. I didn't, I didn't know that I will get just like by working there. I know I just, yeah. it's like an intuition that I know that this is right for my existence. Right. But what, what the, the misunderstanding I had at time though, is that fitness is the only thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. And I have different understanding now. We can talk about it for the later part of the interview. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Coach Viva service first. Yeah. Could you introduce what services you have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, f- First, I wanted to kind of um, get back to you on the whole, like how you said something about like the energy feels totally different depending on where you are at. And um, I, I, that, that's exactly, that's exactly how I felt. I want to say that for me and for my experience, kind of, um, actually also talking to other people, that kind of thing is something that you do have to kind of just put yourself in certain situations so that you can actually feel what it's like because it's something that you can't just know, um, from yeah, like, you can't reading. just imagine. You can't just, it's hard to imagine, right? And also, it's not the case that, I don't think it's the case that unless you're really lucky that you magically stumble upon the right thing from the first get go, right? Usually it's like you, you try something and you're like, Oh, this feels a little bit better than the last thing. Okay. I'll, I'll move over here. And then, and then maybe you try like two or three different things or, or something. And then you're like, Oh, like this thing feels a little bit better than, than this and what's going on here. And then basically eventually it's like collecting puzzle pieces and eventually it forms the whole puzzle 
um, picture of the puzzle, and then you're, and then you kind of know, like, okay, I think, like, basically, you get more and more clear. I think on the direction you want to go as you're kind of like experimenting around with with things. Um, yeah, I, I don't definitely. know if that resonates. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And yeah. um, I've, so, I found myself to be a different person too. Yes. Like when I was in the tech company, I I, I was a very passive and probably a very bad employee too. I don't want to network with people. I just want to get my work done. I was yeah. I remember there's a big moment for me to realize that's not my thing. Is I, I joined this um, data science yeah. conference at Bloomberg, and I I see all these data scientists so fired up talking to yeah. each other, and I was like, wow, that's what is it like when you do something you really like. <laughs> And after I work in a gym, I started to take on take take initiative to like propose all sorts of marketing projects, interview projects, um, do all sorts of events that I will never I swear like I've never did in my tech life yeah. at all. And I thought I was not a I thought I was just not a person that was I thought I was a person not deserved to be successful because I was so lazy, I don't have any motivation, I don't have ambition. Yeah. I didn't, but it turned out it just I was in a wrong job in a wrong industry. Yes, I we talked about this, Angie, and I resonated so much with that. This is exactly how I felt when I was in like tech conferences. It's exactly everybody else was so excited. I didn't get it, <laughs> and I thought maybe I'm just a person who doesn't like care about anything. Like, am I just a boring person? I don't know. And then and then of course that changed. I was like, oh, I'm I'm actually just in the wrong job. Like I wasn't the right person for this anyway. And and so yeah, it <laughs> it's um it's really I, I resonate so much with with your story as well. Um mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um so sorry, I I derailed. Yeah, so- um you asked me <laughs> about Coach Viva. Right, right. Yeah. So we um our coaching program is called Badass Body Boss. And that is our primary coaching program. Thank you. Yeah, badass body boss. Yes, we also make um, free YouTube videos online that um, that like teaches people about mindset, about nutrition, about exercise that they can use as well. But as far as our coaching program is concerned, um, badass body boss is it's a, it's actually really a behavior change program. I would say that just happens to help you lose weight. Um, the reason I say this is because we teach people how to fish rather than hand them fish. So we don't write meal plans or like tell people what to eat like specifically, but we tell people, we teach them how to learn, um, like learning how to set real expectations, learning how to think and make decisions based on your weight loss data or your food logs or your exercise logs, like teach them the principles behind um, fat loss and muscle gain. And um, also mindset, how to deal with self-sabotage, how to like, talk to your inner self. Like there's so much in the weight loss community, there's so much emotional things going on. And and that's too, that's super normal, right? And that's the thing that um, I think a lot of programs kind of gloss over a little bit. Um, and we also, um, and, and, and if they do teach it, it's usually in the form of like, um, like just videos and, uh, to kind of, and we have videos too, but um, it's usually in the form of like, let me teach you a nutritional concept. And then like, you're on your own to figure out how to apply that. Um, but in our coaching, we really try hard to do um, like back and forth with you to figure out what is your actual bottleneck that's preventing you from making progress. Um, so I would call our coaching, um, because Rich and I have an engineering background, it's very data-driven and and it's all about focusing on bottlenecks. So by data-driven, I mean, we look at your data, we look at your food logs or workout logs if you have them, and we look at your body stats and see like, what is this 
how does this inform us about what to do next? Because everyone's body is different. And like, we don't rely on just what a calculator or a textbook says. So like, you know, like a, a, a calculator might say you need to eat 150 grams of protein uh, a day. But if your data shows that you're actually not, you're actually like um, not losing muscle and you're losing fat, right? And, and you're only eating 90 grams of protein, like you don't need to make things harder for yourself, right? So that's kind of what we mean by data-driven. And then bottleneck thinking means that we just pick one, like maybe two things to change at a time that addresses what is the biggest bottleneck to preventing you from making progress. So like if it's late night snacking, that's, that's the main contributor, um, then we'll focus on late night snacking. Like we're not going to try to make sure you eat vegetables at every single one of your meal. Like we're like, it's, it's stages, right? Like, um, uh, that is how, um, I believe that we really keep things sustainable for people. Um, for other people, it may be exercise or sleep related, right? So it doesn't matter. So at any given time, like our students are working on different things, um, in, in order to get to their, get to their goals. Um, I, I would say like the biggest tenant is just less is more. Like that's my mantra. Less is more. <laughs> if you I do, like if that. you, yeah. And like little, like if you just do 1% better, right. It compounds, it compounds over time. And, and I, I feel like if people just really get that, like any, any life, any transformation you want to make, you can succeed in. If you just, if you just get the whole like compounding effect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, is there any shift of the services or the way you provide services ever after you founded Coach Viva? Uh, shift in the uh, you mean like how has it changed from the beginning yeah. to now? Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Angie. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked this question. When we first started Coach Viva, it was more of a it was it was it was actually very much like Noom. <laughs> it was like a like a like a food tracker, like a food log thing, a food journaling app where people can, um, they could, it was actually really cool. They could type or take, um, take pictures with their phones. And we actually have a team in the back that like logs, looks up nutrition and logs it for you. So it was actually like really, really cool. It was like a really nice food tracker. Um, and then there was a chat where they can talk to me and Richa and we coach them over chat. And then, um, and we still have the food tracker, but, um, but the coaching now is, is, is no longer like, exclusively chat uh, because what happened was um, you can't get deep on chat coaching. You can't like, it's really hard to, to like, it's really hard when you have an asynchronous communication rather than having like an in the moment back and forth with each other to figure out like what is actually going on. Cause either people forget or what people forget or um, they, they don't have the patience to stick around and keep like, you know, waiting for your chat message to come back. Right. Um, and more things, more nuances show up when you kind of have that like face to face connection. Um, and so that was uh, that was something that changed when we realized that we could get people to lose weight. We could get them to lose weight. But using this, the old method that we were doing, they couldn't keep it off. Like once they stopped using us, they would gain it back. When we switched over to the badass body boss model of doing things, where it's like we teach, we we teach you like when when somebody comes to us with a question, if it's the first time you ask that question, we might give you the answer. If it's the second time you ask that question, we're gonna be like, what do you think the answer is? Like we want you to be able to like 
get to your goal and then stop using us and then like not have to come back. Right. Um, so that's what I mean by teaching to fish versus um, giving the fish in our old model. We would give people meal plans. We would give people workout plans and they would have no idea what to do when, when they're like on vacation or like stop using us. Like we didn't, we didn't teach them how to think, how to make decisions about um, and how to talk to their own inner voices. That was the part that the chat model couldn't actually do. Um, and then I think the second thing that we used to do that we stopped doing, which is like we would proactively like reach out to people, um, like remind you, hey, reminder to, you know, log your food or reminder to, you know, do the workout Um or like, hey, we haven't heard from you in a long time. Are you there? You know, like we, we would just like nag them and reach out. And like, um, and we thought that was a good thing. But turns out that actually people loved it at the beginning. But over the long term, first of, first of all, it, it, th- there were two things. One, it, it, it took responsibility off of their shoulders and put it onto, onto us. Uh, and what that means is, when when the coach is the one that's constantly like poking you and like and like nudging you suddenly they care more about your weight loss than you do and like subconsciously you're giving your power away to the coach and more people basically fell off the wagon when we did that than now when basically we put the accountability on the students like you let us know when you have a problem and then we will we will we will like, you know, troubleshoot with you until you're clear, right? We will do whatever we can, but you have to care more. You you have to care, like you have to own the caring about your weight loss. And that made a, made a huge difference. Um, the second thing that the nagging model uh, didn't work is again, it made, um, it, it, it was more, it was more of a giving somebody a fish rather than teaching them how to fish, which is how to, um, in this case, it's like how to like, um, I guess it's the same thing. It's basically owning your owning your own progress, right? Like um, teaching them how to own their own their own progress. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the shift that really happened. What we still have um, is we still have the food journaling um, app uh, where people can just like take a picture and then like we'll we'll like track their food for them. Uh, and we still have, and then we added more tools around um, body tracking. Um, so like, you know, it's not just weight, right? We also track, uh, we also try to estimate their body fat percentage because ultimately that's what, that's what really matters. Um, so we have them track um, other body measurements that, um, that help inform uh, body fat percentage and then also track more qualitative stuff like hunger levels, cravings, um, sleep. And then for women, um, you know, a lot of women, their, their weight fluctuates around, uh, around their period. So we have a section for that too. Um, and so all of these scenes kind of give you, give us as coaches and give them uh, like the data to see, Oh, here's what's going on. Um, I, I, in the, uh, it, when we first started doing this, we would hide a lot of this information. Like what they would only see a fraction of what we as coaches would see. Now they see mostly um, every mostly everything that we're seeing too. So they themselves can see the trends and be like, "Oh wait, sleep is correlated with this." Um, and again, it's just giving them power. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think yeah. the central theme is we gave them more power. <laughs> I think is what it is. Yeah, yeah like cultivate their awareness and give them a framework to coach themselves. So they yes. can leave Coach Viva and then know how to do it for the rest of their life. I, I think that I, I, that's a great rephrase. Yes, that's exactly what it is. We teach them how to coach themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. 
I I resonate a lot because like my own online course called Be Your Own Coach, 做自己的健身教练 And、oh, the the whole rationale is like I was I was trying so hard before I go to the gym when I was working in tech. I will check like twenty to thirty minutes YouTube videos about how to lift a certain thing until I become a coach. I found out that there are a whole set of principles that is. That is like right in the core of all the training methodology, and that's what I actually need to know, and that's what most people need to know. Instead、yeah. of relying on like or going into details about the trivial stuff, and I have no awareness of all these things actually exist, and I also I also have no awareness of like my emotions and my menstruation, like you just said, it was so important,、um, my sleep and stuff. And so I was like, why? How come no one is teaching about this? And、yes. like no one tried to talk about. We 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 keep in, in Taiwan. We kept reinforcing this body image tied with how much weight you can lift, your ego, and if you don't lift, if you don't lift heavy, or if you don't have, if you are not like jack enough, then you are not <laughs> sexy enough. It just keep replacing old trend with new trend and new norms. And I was、right. just so fed up with that. I want people to really, I want them to see that fitness or like weight loss a way for them to really cultivate their awareness and for them to empower themselves. And as, yeah. yeah, and I think like Coach Viva must also empower your clients so much by just giving them the information they need and then knowing all these the principles and the thing that should pay attention to and really just be able to to give empower them with knowledge and empower them with the right、You've- methods. You've nailed it, Angie. It's principles like that. That is the key word there. It doesn't have to be so hard once you understand the principles of、uh, fat loss and muscle gain. Um, even the principles of mindset stuff, like self sabotage, and I, once you learn the principles and and notice how it how it works, it stops feeling like there's a hundred different things you could be doing. It, it, it's really just a handful of things that's you know that's showing up in a hundred different ways, right? Like all workout programs, they usually follow a same basic template, <laughs> right?、Um, Yes, and I love. By the way, I love your、um, your program's name.、Uh, Be your own coach. That I I love it. I love it. That that is that is so great. Um, and um, I think principles. I I would. I I would say like if there was um, um if there was something that I I think differentiates like our um the way we coach from others. I think it would be like one data driven thing. Like we're not married to a solution to a solution. Like like. A specific diet or a specific meal timing or whatever, like we're not married to like what you do.、Um, we're more worried to like what is the problem you're trying to solve, what does the data say, and what is the biggest bottleneck that we need to address at this moment.、Um, and then the second one would be like simplify it all, like simplify it down to the principles. Like let's take this piece of advice. Lots of like people will come to us with a question like, is this good or is that okay? And then we'll be like, okay, what is the principle behind this? Okay, and then what is the principle behind this? Now you tell me, right?、Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I, I think this is why I call them students rather than clients. I call our customers students、um, because I really do think of them as students、um, who who are who are kind of learning about this. And、um, and I think principles is something that's really hard to I, I I think start distilling down. But once you get it, it it makes life easier.、Um, I don't know if you had that same realization. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to go back to self sabotage. It's such a fascinating topic. I say、yeah. fascinating because I am a person that was bothered by self sabotage for the past thirty years of my life. And、yes. I th- could you like 
could you share more about this topic? Why self self sabotage happens, and especially in the weight loss context? Yes, yes. So self sabot, yeah, it can happen in. Any area of life, and I, I still run into it. Like it still surprises me sometimes when it shows up in certain areas of my life. But um, self sabotage is really—it's the thing. It's what happens when you get, when you start getting close, like when you're starting to make progress, right? And maybe you're getting close to to your goal, or you're getting close to the next milestone, and then something inside of you won't let yourself have that thing, and so you come up with ways to um. To not get it's 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 a subconscious thing. Like you subconsciously come up with ways to prevent yourself from making any more progress past this point. And when it comes to weight loss, a lot of times it's usually you know, it's usually it, it comes in the form of like um like over overeating suddenly, right? Usually um the self talk is either something like, oh I've been I've been working really hard and. I'm, I'm making progress one day, you know, one day doesn't matter, right? So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna overeat this one day. Um, but then the one day becomes two days and then it becomes three. And then, and then, you know, for most, for a lot of people, when they get into the spiral, they end up like regaining, regaining their weight back. Right. Um, and what we try to do is we try to get them like, like, it's okay. It's okay to fall off the wagon. As a matter of fact, we'd be really surprised if people don't fall off the wagon once in a while. But the idea is turn it into a game. Like, can you fall off the wagon? Like, can you make that time, the recovery time less and less, right? So every time you fall off the wagon, how long does it take for you to get back on? And then like, and then like, okay, just get back on less. So the first thing is to remove the stigma of like, of that being a failure, right? It's like, everything is a learning. Everything is a learning. Um, uh, but sorry, I, I jumped the gun on like, on like, um, <laughs> I think you asked me uh, more of, you know, what is self-sabotage, right? Yeah, it's when we have so much of a good thing that it's unfamiliar to. It's unfamiliar to our subconscious brain. And so it kind of gets scared and, and, and like comes up with ways to, to, um, to, 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 um, un undo our progress. Um, like if you think of like the human mind, um, th this isn't like, um, this is very abstract. Uh, I'm talking at the abstract level. Um, there's like the conscious part of us, uh, which is like more logical thinking. And, and then there's the, um, the subconscious part of the brain, which is more emotionally driven. And it's more, um, it's more based on habits and, and programming of, of your past experiences. It's, um, and it's more, way more powerful than the logical side. So, um, there's this book called Nudge where, um, the author talks about the elephant and the writer. And the writer is your conscious brain. It's like, you know, it's the human that's sitting on the elephant. The elephant is your big subconscious brain. And the elephant is motivated by emotions and it can get scared and it can do all sorts of things. And you as the writer, you can guide the elephant, you can coax it, but you can't control it. The elephant is like so much stronger and bigger than you are, right? So that's, I think, how, um, I like to think about, um, about the brain as well. So going back to, you know, where does your subconscious brain kind of gets all its like opinions and, and motivations from? It's really from your like past programming. Like, you know, in the past when your parents say you must finish all of your food or else, you know, you're starving kids in Africa or whatever, right? Like eventually over time you associate eating everything in front of me is good and not doing that is bad. And so, and, um, or maybe it's like the, the scarcity mindset is often developed uh, the same way. Like, you know, maybe 
maybe you didn't have very many much food when you were young. And so like, if you didn't eat everything you had, um, somebody else would eat it, right? Um, or even if somebody just says, hey, finish your plate, uh, because you don't, you know, you don't know when there's going to be food left, right? You, you might, you might develop a, um, a scarcity mindset that way. And so how that, so now in present day, when you're, when you're an adult, even though you logically know, like, like you're not, you're not going to get hungry anytime soon, right? You logically know that you're not going to starve. Uh, but the part, like the child part of you is still active and it still deeply has this deep ingrained belief. So there's a certain point where it's like when you, um, when, when you, um, start, um, like in the in the context of weight loss, when people start losing a lot of weight, uh, uh, um, when people start losing weight, like there's a certain point where it fe- it starts feeling really unfamiliar to 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 people. Like I haven't, especially when they're happening to get to a weight that they haven't been in a very long time. Um, um, and research shows that when when something is not familiar to 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 your to your 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 brain, it it can trigger like some kind of fear. It can trigger fears, right? So. And if the fears that are in there, like a lot of times, like our clients would be like, there, there's a fear of like, if I get too, um, if I get too lean, then I'm going to be starving all the time because I can't eat as much food as I did when, um, when I was heavier, right? That's a, that's a, that's a fear. That's, that's a conditioned fear from previous, from previous beliefs, um, or sorry, from previous experiences. Um, others would be like, um, we, we had another one who realized like after we kind of did a back and forth like journaling session with him, he realized that there's a certain point where he doesn't want to get below his um, body fat because because that was the point where in the past he had used fat as a protection protection mechanism um, because there were some people in his life that um, that weren't uh, weren't good for him and they left him alone when he got fatter. Right. So like. Things like that are are things that um, it's not very obvious un- until you actually really, really um, kind of kind of dig into dig into them. Um, so I would say the core tenant of self sabotage is um, is when you get to a point that's kind of like unfamiliar to you, and then you start, and then and then like some part of you starts kind of getting scared, and then it's, it'll like come up with a reason for why like you should do it, like. So going back to my original example, when when your inner voice says like, "Oh, you know, you've been working so hard, you can you can have it, you can have it, it's fine." Like reward yourself, right? The fear is, I don't want to keep working so hard that I can't ever reward myself anymore. So, um, um, and so getting yourself comfortable, I, I I think one of the ways is first of all, understanding that this is normal, so you're not like beating yourself up for it because that doesn't help anybody. But then secondly, it's like as you're making the changes, simultaneously work on mindset and also make the change small. Like people who drop a ton of weight are more likely to gain it back more quickly, right? But when you're doing it a little bit steadier and slower, when you're making change steadier and slower, you can catch those voices in your head. Like, because they'll they'll come on and they'll be a little bit um, less strong than if you were to make a sudden change, then the voice is going to like be a lot stronger, um, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of like how I would, <laughs> how I would, uh, ex- explain that. What, what are the specific actions clients can, your students can take when they caught themselves being self-sabotage in addition to like telling, engaging in a different dialogue with themselves? Is there yeah. any like? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, 
Um, so what we do is um, if they ca- like, you, you know, you catch yourself doing it first and then we, we go through an exercise where um, basically they, they ask themselves um, like, okay, what is, what was the, what was the dialogue that's going on in my head? There's, there's always like a dial, there, there's always some kind of a dialogue between like a, one part of you and another part of you. And um and the dialogue usually fall. It usually falls under three buckets. Either it's like, um, I deserve um, validation, or, um, or um, I need a. Uh, I either it's uh, yeah, either it's like um, validation, or it's like fear, like scarcity, like fear of missing out on something. Um, and then another one, uh, and then the third one is usually like a a kind of like a. Um, like a, like a, everyone else is doing it kind of thing, right? <laughs> like, like a belonging related thing, right? So those are kind of like the, 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 like, like the core, I think, <laughs> like human motivations. Um, and, um, so what we do is we, we, we ask them, like, what is the dialogue that it's actually having? And most of the time, the dialogue will be like, you deserve to reward yourself, or you don't know when you're ever going to have this again. Right. So it's, so it's almost, it's almost one of those, uh, it's mainly one of those two things. And then what you can do, because uh, what you can do is come up with a, first do a, do a, um, like ask yourself, like, where does this belief come? Like, where did this, um, like, if you eat this, um, like, let's take the scarcity mindset. If um, you, you may never, you may never be able to have this again. Right. You, you kind of like use logic first. The number one, the first step is to use logic to, to ask yourself, okay, is it actually true that I can't ever have this food again, right? Is it actually true? And if it's not true, um, then, then I know um, that, okay, I can have this food whenever I want. And write that down so that the next time that that voice comes up, like you look at this and then you're like, okay, you say this, but I know that. Um, and then it's really through rapid, like at the, the first couple of times in it, it, it may not, it, it may be a little bit harder, but over times, like through repetition, that's when it really, uh, really starts to sink in. Um, and what you start to notice is that like, cause people will say like, oh, I have to do this every single time. But what you start to notice is that your, your subconscious usually just says the same thing over and over again. It usually has the same, same sales pitch. It's like a used car salesman. It has the same sales pitch every single time almost. Um, and so when you like practice your script, like, okay, I know that this, this, my subconscious script, it's always this script. I have a script of my own now and I can like use it, use it, use it against that. Um, then over time, you kind of like convince yourself, uh, subconscious that, you know, what you know to be true is the real truth. And that becomes its new belief. And once your subconscious is on your side, then, then it's like your biggest cheerleader ever. Um, so that's, um, I, I, I would say that's one part. That's like the, what to do kind of like in the moment thing, like the tool, like, right. The scripting is a tool to use in the moment. And the second part is more of a sit down and kind of like go deep, right. It, it's, it's, a, it's often like a one-time kind of thing where. Um, where we we work with people to kind of go like why where is the where is the scarcity coming from like where um and it's often somewhere like it's often some some belief that got formed in the childhood right so we ask ask people to like think about like the earliest instance that you've had this same reaction or the same fear 
Um, and a lot of times that's hard. So, you know, we'll be like, okay, it doesn't have to be like childhood, right? Just think like, when was the last instance, right? So we'll keep like trying to go back until we can find like, what do you think is the earliest instance that this like, that the thought of if I don't eat this now, it's not going to be there anymore came from, right? So I'll give an example. One of our students, it was like when she was like, um, child, early childhood and, um, her family actually was in a, they didn't have a lot of money. So if she didn't eat the food, it was going to be gone. And she didn't, she couldn't know whether or not like she's gonna be hungry tomorrow or if there's going to be like more food. Right. Uh, and so she was like, that's, that's where it came from. And, and so of course it makes sense that over time, there's this part of her brain that still believes that there's not going to be, there's not going to be food available anymore. And, um, and, and it's, and then you, um, how you deal with that part of you is you have to kind of like treat it, treat it as a child, right? Um, or treat it as like, um, I, 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 I use different uh, characters, like for different people, um, because different things resonate with them. But um, one way is to think about it as either just a child who like really, really wants to like protect you. Um, but it's a child. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't know as much as you do. Another one is like a guard dog, right? Like this is a guard dog, it's going to freak out. Um, but it's still it's still just a dog, right? And so um, it, one of the scripts that we would use is, you know, how would you talk to them, right? You, you'd say something like, hey, I understand. I understand you you didn't have food before. Um, or like, we, we didn't have food before, but we have food now. I can get food anytime I want. And so thank you for trying to protect me. Um, but, but I, but we, I don't need it right now. Um, and another way would just kind of be to say like, um, um, I, I actually, I, I think the, um, I forgot to mention that the basically like accepting that like what what this part of you is trying to do is actually trying to protect you is really important. Um, a lot of times, like once you kind of accept that, that like, oh, it's just trying to protect me. Like, thank you for trying to protect me, but you don't have to do it anymore. Um, it's it, it, it kind of it, it stops being it, it, it lessens in volume a little bit because it's almost like it feels heard. I, I it's like, it's like what's going on. You're like acknowledging it. Um, so, so those were the, so I think like, so those are like the two things, right? It's like figuring out, um, when, when did this idea, when did this, when did this belief first get formed and then seeing at it from like, in a, in like a third party perspective so that you realize that, oh, this belief is not, is not, like it's not absolute truth. It was something that I formed based on my circumstances, and logically, I know now I'm not in there anymore. And then you can accept the belief, right? Accept it. Don't fight it, right? I, I, like fighting it will make will make it like resist harder, right? So you accept it and you say, okay, I understand what's going on. Thanks for doing that, but and it, and it's helped me in the past, but it doesn't help me anymore. And then come up with your script, right? You use that to figure out a script. So next time that voice comes back, you use the script. You're like, yes, thank you for that. Um, remember we're actually not, we're actually not starving anymore. So, so we're okay. We're, we're both okay. Um, and then over time that voice gets smaller and smaller and you allow yourself to kind of accept your new reality, right? Which is that, 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 that leaner body that you want or whatever it happens to be. That is very fascinating. I, I would love to talk more about this in terms of, um, live exploration later, but yeah. before this, I want to share another very interesting um self-dialogue with self-sabotage in 
in a podcast I heard before, and the girl was trying to, so she's trying to lose weight, and then she found out she keep tra- being trapped in the same stage to like almost succeed, and she started binge eating, and then she went to a very deep self analysis, and then she realized it's because if she if she really succeed, um, attaining a certain type of body image, then she's probably ha- she she doesn't have any other excuse. For not being successful in oh. pursuing romantic relationship, but she's so afraid that deep down she's just a person not deserved to be loved, and she doesn't want that to be to be to be confirmed. So she just keep trying to trap herself into a into a not into the binge eating cycle, yes. and so like this self sabotage intertwined with um, imposter syndrome is really what really fascinates me and what. I also just for myself found out it's keep creeping up. I'm trying to develop my own script, but it's not always successful. But I think like at least I started to like be very aware that which voice is this. Yes, yeah. I, I that 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 example you gave is very is so fascinating. Yeah, I um I I had a um I have one that's also very recurring where it's like. Every, um, and a lot of things that I do, I, I I make it harder for myself than I think it needs to be. Um, like so, when I was losing weight, I, I I realized like when something started feeling easy, I would try to make it harder for myself. Um, and um, and at work, I, I I have noticed in the past I've done that too. And I realized that my belief was if I'm not working hard, if I'm not working hard, then I don't deserve good things. Like I have a belief that. I can't possibly deserve something unless I have actually worked for it. And that that was an interesting belief that I had to really work on. Like, is it true that you have to suffer in order to get good things, right? Um, and and it's not true because I see examples of people who are like, you know, succeeding and having a good life and getting and getting what they want and they're not st- suffering. Um, so yeah, it's in and um the, it still shows up in like other areas of my life when I'm not paying attention, especially when it comes to work. Um, so I feel like I also have that same, I think I resonated with that example too, because I also feel like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm like, I, I feel like if I, 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 it's like, it's almost, almost feeling like I'm not deserving of like others, like respect if I'm not working hard too, like something like that. It's like, I'm using work, hard work as an excuse, uh, almost. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and and so yeah, it's very fascinating the kinds of I think beliefs that um, that we come up with. So, in addition to self sabotage, is there any common thing your you encounter when a, a new client comes to you? Uh yes, I think um. A co- very a very common thing, especially among new clients, is um, not is having unrealistic expectations. And when it comes to when it comes to fat loss or muscle gain, um, one of the biggest two 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 most common um, I, 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 uh, things that we get new clients um, like worried and concerned about is um, first 
they think that their weight loss progress is too slow. Um, and they're focused and they're often always focused on the scale and not on their body fat percentage, which sometimes decreases even when the scale um, doesn't or even increases. Um, and we have to really like normalize for them, like what is actually normal, um, but not even, and, and even more importantly, it, it, what is sustainable, right? Because what is sustainable, it, it can be different for different people. And then the second most commonly asked questions for new people, or sorry, most common concern for new people is that they're not doing enough. Um, I think people are used to when they first start a program, like they overhaul, overhaul their entire life, like the diet changes completely or the workout changes completely or something like that. And they're not used to um, basically only tweaking one to two things at a time, the, the way that we do it. Um, and so there's this feeling like I'm not doing enough. And so I'm scared that because I'm not doing enough, like um, I, I, uh, that, I, that I must be doing something wrong. Like even if they see progress on their sheet, they, they still feel like a lot of times that they're not doing enough. So I think like, expectations is one of the biggest things because we're led to believe that you know we should be losing two pounds a week every single week and um and in order to be healthy you have to like only eat whole foods and sleep eight hours a day and also work out this many times and it's like well if you're completely sedentary and eat mcdonald's every single day that's completely unrealistic to ask you to do um yeah so so those those would be the two things Mm -hmm. so um All ever since you founded Coach Viva, what what have you learned about yourself? Yes, um, I've I've learned. Oh my gosh, so much! And a lot of it is really actually through my clients. Um, as I coach them, I discover ways of thinking about things uh, either. Um, you know, when two people look at the same situation, they they have completely different uh, different um, takeaways on on kind of what happened, and it's always so fascinating to hear like m- other people's point of views. Um, like I've worked with like uh, over a hundred people now, and like everybody thinks differently, right? And it's and that's just so fascinating. Um, the other thing is like you know when they come up with like. Um, if they come with like a question or um, especially if it's mindset related, I, a lot of times I, I get a little bit of insight about like, about my own, um, how I have maybe a little bit of that same thing happening and like maybe my relationships or my work as well. And that's always so fascinating. Um, but when it comes to just like doing the business, like as a, as a business owner, I think the biggest thing is like, um, um, uh, finding really, really learning how to like manage my time and be my own time advocate. Like when you have a manager, um, he can help, he or she can help like structure your schedule a little bit and like tell you kind of like, these are the priorities and this is what we should do. There's, there's so much more structure when you're doing your own thing, you come up with your own structure. You have to, you must, if you don't, then it goes either it goes nowhere because they're not really you know moving the needle on anything or you just burn yourself out because like everything seems important and so I had to really learn how to prioritize I had to learn how to um um manage my time and I really really had to learn how to say no um and I thought I was already good at saying no but no like there was so much more the the, the skill of saying no takes so much practice 
Um, and the skill of saying I can't do it uh, or I couldn't do it, right? Like, so a lot of times I can't, I, I, I bit off more than I can chew and I have to really just swallow my ego and say, I couldn't do it. And and the reason is I, I, I just, I thought I could, the reason was just, I didn't have the, um, I wasn't fast enough or I didn't have enough skill or I didn't get enough sleep. Like I had to be brutally honest with why I didn't do it. Like I, I realized how often I would try to make up an excuse uh, or I would want to make up, make an excuse when really maybe the reason was just, um, I, 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 um, you know, I, I was just too tired. Like that, that's, that's the honest reason I couldn't get. And, or if I can't get something done, um, I, a lot of times I would try to like fit it in to, to kind of like, um, I, to, because I guess I wanted, you know, to be the type of person who can get everything done. Um, and I realized that, yeah, no, that's not, um, that's asking for, for magic. Um, and so, um, I, I track my time now and I use whatever the data says to inform me as to how much I can handle the next week. Um, rather than, cause I'll, in the past I would have like burned myself, like, like overworked myself one week. And then still somehow think that I can do the same thing the next week. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Or like, I can't, I didn't get what I thought I was going to get done one week and then thought I would catch up the next week, right? This is actually like something that, you know, is very common among people who want to lose weight too. Like, <laughs> like a lot of people, if they overeat one day, like they, they want to overcompensate the next day. And, and that kind of just leads to, leads to like burning out. Like you can't, you can't, um, you can't, you can't have magic. <laughs> Is what I, you can't try to like force your body to doing something that it, it can't do. Your body will always win. <laughs> and that's how mm -hmm. I felt with time management. Could you like go into detail about how, what insight did you get from your own data input? So I tried to use Clockify to check into like every half an hour, what did I do? Yes. And in terms of like different, different areas of project, different, different themes I had throughout that yeah. week. I am super dedicated to logging in when I am pre before before I have my PMS. And when I have yeah. my PMS, I just like let everything go and I don't even bother to go back to see the data. And I found <laughs> it's been repeating. And I was like, so what's the point if I don't get any insights if I lock all these things after I lock yeah. all these things? So Well, do you um is there no date like do you not see any trends at all? Like when you when you look at it? And and let's just say maybe your period week like that if 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 that's just a week where it's like you don't even want to log, then maybe that week can just be a relaxed week, right? Like like not every week needs to be a a, a go 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 kind of um kind of week. Um, but do you not see like any like um like correlations between like uh, so actually I'll give an example like for instance I track what I do. Um, I have um what what is it called? I I also have an app on my desktop that just asks me like every like 10 minutes, Hey, what are you doing now? So, so that, you know, I, I just click a button. Um, and I track my breaks as well. So one of the things that kind of informed me is, um, what are the days where I have like the most breaks where I'm like taking the most breaks? Because that usually means either the work is like, just like, I, I'm just getting really easily distracted. So either the work is really boring, or I'm getting tired. And, um, and then I started tracking like, distraction breaks versus tired breaks um and and that i think was what helped me because i guess you're right if you if you're doing i i guess it, if you're tracking a lot of things for me it helps to just focus on like one or two things that are like that actually there's actually like some 
that that one or two things that you can get some information out of rather than like focusing on like everything that you're doing on a day. Mm-hmm. So for me, I realize it's it's the breaks. That's what I that was what was most interesting to me. Cuz some days I would take like no breaks and then other days like the half the day was taking breaks. So that was weird to me when I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. What's the app that you use that reminds you what you're doing every half an hour? Yeah, it, it's actually a. I think it's actually every ten、uh, minutes, but I think it's configurable. You can configure it. Yeah, I.、Uh, that's a good question.、Uh, let me. How do I? I don't know how to get to the. Oh, about say it's called Daily, ju- just Daily, and it's only. I think it might only be available for Mac. So I don't know if you're using a Mac、Perfect. or not. Yeah, I'm using Mac. Okay.、So、yeah. I. It's only after I start. You?、Um, yeah. I think it, I think it will be. I just need to like, just like you say. I I feel like well, the the most the first pattern I found is on the monthly cycle. I was、yeah. so shocked that I was able to. I thought sometimes I get this news visiting me, like it's inspiration. I feel ambitious. I can、yeah. get so many things done. I feel like I'm a person that's worthy of connection. I'm reaching out to a lot of. I reach out to a lot of people,、yes. and then there are days where I just feel so. I would just want to close off or dig a hole in a wall,、yeah. so I can just hide inside and not talk to anyone. And I started to see the pattern. There is actually co- highly correlated with menstruation, and I started to feel justified that I just don't want to hang out with your friends right now. I want to be alone. <laughs> Because、yes. I'm on PMS, and that's the thing that the first thing I found, and I, I found out the creative projects always take more time than than estimated. So、yeah. if I estimated to write one or two hours for an article, I ended up writing five or six. But、yeah. logistic project always take way less time than the mental time. <laughs> I would、yeah. think about doing one thing that is emotionally difficult for me for three days, and it takes only ten minutes to. To send that email, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing I found. I I've experienced that before too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you find that that helps with like estimating projects at least? Like, you know, now you can plan it better throughout your day, or I I guess it depends on what is your um motivation for time tracking. Like, for for me, it's I, like I want to learn how to plan my day better, so I'm not like overcommitting and then feeling bad about it. Yeah, I guess I want to have a Better, like a healthier relationship with the thing I'm going to do.、Mm. It, I think, like unrealistic expectation give me so much guilt, and those unnecessary guilt make me very inefficient in doing、yeah. the things I do. So I think in general, I just wanted to know that okay, here's my capacity, and I can have confidence that I will be able to finish these things. I won't have unnecessary guilt just overestimating what I would do. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I I totally resonate with 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 that too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And d- does it help to know? Like, I mean, you you told me just some really great insights already, right? That like when you do creative projects, it's like you know usually like this many more hours than what you thought, and um, and and so like the next time if you're sitting down to do it like a similar creative project, like give yourself that five hours instead of the three, right? At, at least that's、mm-hmm. what I had to do. Um. So part part of my part of what I do right now is I I write、um, I write scripts for、um, our YouTube channel, and、um, and for me I find that like、um, certain parts of it take take longer than what makes sense <laughs> or what what I thought it was gonna it was gonna it would take like um, um, like scripting、uh, like scripting the video can take like 
like up to like three or four hours for me, sometimes even six, um, depending on like how how complicated the topic is. And so that's kind of helpful. So now I just schedule six hours in my calendar because I'm like, that's the top bar. Like that's the top bar. So I'm going to go ahead and just schedule that. Best case scenario, I do, you know, way less than that. And then I have extra time to either catch up on other stuff or just like, you know, go play. Um, so that's like, yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, instead of trying to be accurate, I think I'm trying to be conservative now because I feel the same guilt, I think, that happens that, that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, going back to the health and fitness in- industry, yeah. wh- what do you think is the biggest struggle for you as an entrepreneur in this space? Um, yeah, for, for, I, I think for me, the biggest struggle is, uh, the marketing side of it, um, for sure. Um, and partly because I'm neither Rich and I are marketers. Um, uh, we've been learning, but, you know, we're still new. Um, and people who are, um, trying to lose weight, they're so jaded by, uh, by the fitness industry, right? They, um, um, because they they likely have tried a bunch of things probably like like for most of their life they've been trying to lose weight or or something related and um and there's so much noise out there and and they've done stuff and it hasn't been working so it's like really it's there's a really high trust barrier that i think people are people that you need that people need to get past in order to kind of like hear your message um because of this a lot of fitness brands are um they they try to stand out right they try to be really shiny they try to like blow people's minds and um and they do that either by um make something seem like more magical or complicated than it actually is to kind of like you know make people think like there's some secret um behind um behind losing weight or um or they like um attack other other players in the in the fitness industry and like I totally, I totally understand why. Like, I totally understand the need to um, want to differentiate yourself. Um, and what happens is that I think it's starting this kind of like spiral into. Uh, it's like a, it, it creates this positive feedback loop where it's like the louder and more shiny and more magical, like you want your solution to appear, the more people start like the more the more people will lose trust over the fitness industry uh, because they'll try the thing and then it didn't work. And then, and then they'll be more jaded on the next thing that they see. Um, and so me and Richard are kind of struggling uh, or not struggling, but this is like, uh, this has been our biggest challenge um, is um, figuring out how to stand out. Um, and, you know, uh, without being, um, without making, making things seem more magical or more complicated than it actually is. Um, and so standing out and then like building enough of a relationship with our audience such that they, they really get it and they trust us. And like, by the time they are, you know, they, they, um, um, they're considering working with us, um, that they, they kind of already know, they kind of already know what our principles and values are. Um, so we found that YouTube has been the best. So we tried many different types of marketing channels. Um, YouTube has been working out the best for us. Um, and that's, and that's great. Um, and so we're still kind of iterating on that and still kind of like working out like how to, how to both stand out, but still kind of like be sane <laughs> at the same time. Um, um, yeah. So I think that particular is a very big struggle, at, at least in the, in the health and fitness space. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. know about what it's like in the other, in other spaces. Yeah. I think 
definitely. I I was so frustrated by this, and yeah, I feel like there is one stage of my my career, quote unquote, with yeah. the thing I built that I just try to fit in. I I feel like when I was writing about my own stuff, my own creative journey, my own nomadic journey, mm-hmm. I can speak from a very authentic point, but whenever I switch to writing marketing material or sending email sequences for my online course, I change into a person. It's not necessarily use like fear technique or what, but I just feel like it was not me when I was saying yeah. those stuff. And so I think it took me a long time to be able to really fuse, infuse my own personality and what I care about the about the world into the marketing material I wrote to the finished the finished audience I have and I think that made me feel so much better and made me feel like closer to what I built too yeah 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 for sure I, I think it's a common struggle for a lot of us actually and um and again I totally understand why you need to be loud and, you know, it, it, you have to, dif- like, I totally understand why there's this need to differentiate. So it's, it's not like I can say, um, oh, p- people shouldn't do this. Like, I, I, I don't think I can say that in good faith. Um, and a lot of times in our, um, like in our YouTube, we do have sensational titles. The, the, the content will be really, um, sane um we we try not we try to make things as simple as possible because that's like our whole thing is like less is more but sometimes we find like hey you know we need to use this word in a title or else people just won't even click on it right or we need to have this certain screenshot like and it's um yeah i think it's like a balance it's almost like a balancing act of like um Mm -hmm. like how much uh yeah, it, it's like it's an. I, I would I would say it's a it's a it's both an art and a science. I think yeah. <laughs> like running yeah. a marketing and running a business is an art and a science. Yeah, it is. So I w- I want to switch focus to your exploration in your life in general now. Yeah. So you talk about self discovery in your bio. How do you figure out what you really want to do in your work and your life? Yes. Um, I, I, so this is, uh, goes back to, I think we, we touched on this earlier. Um, it's, um, I would say it's two things. Um, first is like introspection. And then the second thing is like testing in the real world. Um, so introspection, uh, it, it could be like doing research on certain things. It could be journaling. A lot of it is journaling. I journal so much more now than I used to. Um, cause the things that come out when you're journaling are things that like, um, Sometimes, I don't know, but for, for whatever reason, when I'm journaling, like stream of thought, just writing, like things come out that I didn't realize were, were, were inside. Um, and that gives me some hints into like, maybe what I want to, maybe what, what I would like to try. Um, and usually I, I journal some, some ideas down and then like, and then I kind of like take a break and come back to it. And then I'm like, okay, which one of these sparks most joy? <laughs> That's basically what I, what I do. And then I like pick one or two. Right. And then I will find, is there a way to try this? That is not like a full-time commitment kind of thing. Right. Um, so sometimes it, it, it's possible to just do, do it as on a week, as a weekend project or something. Right. Sometimes I can shadow somebody else doing it. Right. That might be the only option. Um, and so that, um, um, and so, 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 you know, after I pick something to try and like something that's low commitment, I'll, I'll go try it. And then 
Um, and then kind of just afterward rate, um, not rate, but, but I would, uh, kind of evaluate, like, how did that feel? And what were the parts that, that I, that I liked or I felt served me? What were the parts I didn't like or didn't serve me? And then use that to kind of like guide, um, my next decision-making thing. So like I go back to journaling again, right. (laughs) And being like, okay, what is the next thing that brings me closer to, um, where I kind of ultimately like to be? Um, oh, I, I guess that's also important is, um, to really get clear on where do you ultimately want to be? And a lot of times it's not necessarily like, um, how much money you want to make or like what exactly you want to do, right? It's not like the cosmetic thing. It's like, the internal foundational thing. It's like, how do you want to feel? What kind of person do you want to be? Like, what do you want your day to day life to feel like? Like, those are the, those are, those questions inform what my North Star is. And then all of my experiments are, are just me, uh, are just letting me know whether or not I'm getting closer or further away from, from, from my North Star. Um, if, (laughs) yeah, if that makes sense. What is your North Star? Uh, yeah, I, I want to be in a state. Uh, I, 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 uh, there's a, I wrote a whole, whole like, uh, yeah, I wrote like a whole like paragraph on this, but I think to summarize it, I want to feel like I'm living in a state of just effortless decision-making, like effortless alignment. Like the word effortless kept coming up. Like I want to be in a state where I am, um, able to, um, uh, where I am able to just explore and learn. And that's pretty much it. And, and the effortless part comes in where, um, I, I want to like right now, if I want to explore or learn something, um, it feels like sometimes I have to either like go through a bunch of books or learn or like hit a rock bottom point in my life in order to learn a lesson. Like I like to be able to not have to do that. <laughs> just kind of like, uh, be able to like find the right people to talk to, you know, and, and get access to them and, um, and, and to help me like, um, learn something that I've been interested in and finding more about, um, or, you know, and in terms of like my introspect, like introspectively, um, be able to like figure out what are the questions I actually want to ask and answer them and trust my own and, and trust kind of like my own answers to some of these things. Cause I, I, in the past, I would like be so fixated on knowing what to do that I would consult people in my life. I would consult books. I would do everything except like ask myself, like, what is it that you, what is it that you want to do? Like, what is it? What do you think is the right answer? And now, and through, I would like to be able to like, trust my own inner guru, like I call it my inner guru, more than um, like feeling like I have to like consult the entire world. Um, and so I think that's what I meant by by effortless. Um, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess I want to, yeah, so I want to live in a state of effortless, um, effortless, I, the word I used to say was effortless like breakthroughs, where it's like, I, I want to just be I like in a state of effortless breakthroughs all the time. Like I'm just learning stuff and exploring and um, just feeling like, um, I'm just discovering more and more about myself, um, in the world. Um, I, I, I call my path, the path of like a, a never ending self-discovery. And, um, and that's kind of the path I would like to just be on. Like, I love, I love discovering things that I didn't know before about like myself and humanity in general. Um, and if I don't have to worry about other things, that'd be great. <laughs> so like, um, 
anything that helps me get closer to that goal of, um, of like being on that path of like constant self-discovery and have it, you know, have it just be fun. Um, that's kind of, that, that's my barometer for like, am I going in the right direction or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if so, uh, I guess like, let me give a concrete example. So if I'm like doing something and it's making me worried all the time, like I'm worried about my schedule or I'm worried about what do people think, or I'm worried about this, like that's taking me further away because I'm no longer, I'm, I'm putting my energy into worrying about these things instead of learning and discovery, which is like, mm-hmm. that's my North star. Right. So that's how that kind of um, translates into in, 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 as an example. Yeah. I found that about that's the differences between my fitness stuff and my own personal stuff too. Like I found out when I was doing the my fitness stuff before, it's yeah. definitely the opposite of effortless. I care so much about what other people think. I I struggle connecting with people. It doesn't feel easy connecting with people. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm being judged all the time. My imagination. Yeah. I feel like I'm not good enough when I'm trying to contact um, maybe like the leader of the industry. But if I am doing my own stuff, writing about self-discovery, personal life journey, I feel that everything just like coming so easily, making new friends, writing articles yeah. or reaching milestones. And so like, yeah, I think that's a really good if you're whether or not you can do something effortlessly is such a good metric of if that thing is really suit you for your life stage right now. Yeah. But I was so like through this I wanna bring back to a a question that we brought up earlier. What for me when I quit my job, I thought fitness east is was the thing for my life. That's like exactly what i want to do for the rest of my life nothing else that is my quote-unquote passion and that is my mission and that is why i exist in this world and i found it i found it to be such an absurd idea (laughs) after three years of exploration and what about you like it was fitness or like health coaching the the thing for you at that time and what is it like yeah what's your relationship with fitness and coaching yeah um yeah i and i'm very curious to hear what like what what made you realize that oh this actually isn't this actually isn't what i thought it was um um uh too but um when i when i did it yes i definitely at the time i was like this is definitely what i want to do this is like i was like i have found my mission in life like this is my mission in life is to make people make the world healthier. Um, like I want to reverse the obesity trend and and reverse the eating disorder trend and whatever. I was like, this is my mission in life. Um, four years later, um, it's still a very important mission, but I don't think that's my mission in life. Uh, like in life, and I don't, and I think that your purpose or whatever. I think it's an always. I, I think it's an always evolving thing because we evolve as people. So. Um, I read this book called the the Genius Zone, or um, sorry, the Genius Habit, where um, where she describes um, purpose as your core emotional challenge, and what that means is like what people feel most purposeful doing, like what they feel like is their mission, usually is the result of some really some core emotional, often recurring challenge that they've had to deal with and and wow. overcome. So at that time, what I had to deal with and overcome for like 10 years of my life was like developing a healthy relationship with food and, and losing fat. And um, because that was my core emotional challenge for like a decade, 
of course, I thought this is going to be my mission. Like that felt so purposeful for me. Now it's a little bit different, right? It's still, I still want people to, I, I, it still matters to me that people are healthy, but it's more, um, I, 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 I think I've gone more into the mindset side of things um, because that's something that I've kind of had to battle specifically with understanding um, ourselves a little bit better. Because I, one of the things I've learned is that through coaching people is that we are actually our best coaches, kind of like, you know, your, 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 your program title and everything. We, because we know ourselves, we know ourselves best once we learn how to listen to ourselves. <laughs> Cause I don't know what's going on in people's brains, right? I can only guess based on like what they tell me. Um, but ultimately if, if people learn how to like think clearly and like feel clearly, like understand like what they're actually feeling, what they're actually thinking, be able to like, um, you know, uh, look at, look at events, you know, um, with a clear and open mind and, um, and let themselves like, uh, free themselves from like, you know, whether or not something is good or bad. I I think that people can learn so much about themselves and, and that's kind of like, what is, uh, I guess I, I haven't, I don't know yet, but I think I'm like going more in that direction. And, and as far as like what I feel more, most interested in, um, now, um, now health and fitness still makes up a portion still is a part of that, of course. Um, so it's still a big, it's still a big part of my life. Um, but I think it's like expanded now, I, I guess it's, it's, yeah, it feels like it's basically expanded. Like what, what I, what was important to me is actually now expanded into like something like a little bit more high level. Um, yeah. What, are, so mm-hmm. what, are, what, what, what was it like for you? I think what I was I think the reason why I was later shocked by my detachment about the original fitness goal is that I had a very wrong perception of what the reality of gaining weight or like lifting was like. For me, lifting was a way to get away from my tech job. And what really attracted me was the awareness I gained. Because I started I started meditation and all the all the awareness, the cultivation with a relationship between me and myself all started when I was lifting and I mistook it as lifting itself but it was actually the core being present when I was lifting being feeling empowered that's the thing that I really cared about but I thought at that time I thought it has to fit into at, at the time I thought that work title was the ultimate thing of who I am being a fitness trainer defines everything but I can actually achieve what I want to do without being a fitness trainer. Yeah. And I think what really break my um, my wrong perception about fitness is I got injured after I become a coach. And all this like, linear progression about like gaining, um, lifting weights, all this like feeling stronger are all shattered. I was suddenly being thrust into the reality of actually there are much more vulnerability in lifting than empowerment if you really just look at how why people join fitness um who are joining who are doing working out and stuff and so i think it's it's such a journey for me to realize that empowering people through lifting more weight like breaking their pr is not the ultimate thing for me the ultimate thing for me is to enable them to embrace their own vulnerability and continue to c- 
continue to like know who they are through cultivating awareness and lifting. And because I think it's so important, it's related to what you said. You say like any life lessons can be applied to all areas of life. And it's the same for lifting. If you are willing to face your own vulnerability in lifting, you are able to face your own vulnerability in your workplace, in your family relationship too. Yeah. And so that leads me, but it takes me a long time to realize, to letting, to let go the attachment I have for this fitness identity. At mm. first, I feel such a passion for fitness. I really feel like burning every time. I went into the gym and thinking about I'm going to be a fitness trainer. And now that I think of that, that emotion of burning is actually an attachment of, of a certain identity, a certain state of mind. And so like, if we really get rid of the attachment part, then we go into the core of what it is. And I think that's very closer to what you said, effortless too. I feel effortless when I think about writing about vulnerability and empowerment. And that's that's when I am doing something and just existing without attachment. Yes, I love that. Exist yeah, doing something and existing without attachment. The atta- the without attachment thing. Um I, I I really like that um a lot. And that was very um I also thought it was really cool that the when you started doing um doing the training thing, um, being a trainer, that that's when you realize you made this, like you started to make that connection between lifting and vulnerability. And um, I, I think that's the thing that uh, it always fascinates me when people like learn that kind of stuff about themselves through like what they do. Um, yeah. I don't think that's something that like can really be taught. It, like there are certain things that I feel can't be taught. They can only be learned. <laughs> I I have no answer for that question. It's like <laughs> yeah, the, can we can we be another person or do we come with a shape when we yeah. are born into this world? This is something I'm still trying to figure out. Well, the shape <laughs> changes, right? It's like I feel like we have like a set like a range we probably have like a range of shapes that we can take. And it's like where in your life stage are you taking this shape versus that shape I I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so like, I think it's ever evolving. Um, yeah. Is how I like to think of it. Um. So, if you think back to a time when you feel rather lost or like uncertain about the future, what would that time be? Um. Oh, back to a time when I felt really lost or uncertain about the the future. Oh my god, there were so many. I, <laughs> I think the the most recent. Actually, I, I think the biggest one in like the most recent years, um, was when I, uh, I went through a breakup with, um, with my partner of, uh, of eight years. Um, and we were almost going to get married too, but then we, we canceled at the very last minute. And, um, which was, which was a great decision, which was a great decision. And, um, and it really made me, um, question at that point, uh, like, what um what do i really want out of a relationship and at this point i was also working on um on my business and it was a lot like like i was like d- basically doing nothing but thinking about my business and um and i it, it really made me question like what do i really want out of life uh what do i want in a relationship where does like my my myself 
like my health and my relationship and my my work like how how do they like what is the balance there or the or what is the um how do they relate to each other right i i think like that was the year i really had to like get clear on that was the first time i started to really get clear on like holistically what did i want out of life um and i um started writing down like what I wanted in different areas of my life and then seeing if I could see a common theme and all of that. Um, and especially for a relationship, because um, I, I realize that family, having a family actually really matters to me. Um, feeling like I like building a family and having that like sense of connection and support um, that, that actually matters to me um, a lot, like even more than business success. Um uh, which I think is something that a lot of my friends would be surprised by to hear me say, considering I was so work focused for so long. Um, and kind of, I, I think like a, a little bit of my self image kind of shattered when I was like going through that process. Um, uh, since then I, I dated around and, um, I, I met somebody and we, we are engaged now and I couldn't be happier. But I, I, I feel that if I didn't go and, really get clear on like what did I want a relationship to look like and how does that integrate into my life like the whole picture I don't think I would have um um, I don't think I would have been where I am now in terms of relationship um the sorry there was something I I had wanted to say and I kind of like lost lost that thread um but but it was about um it, it was about it was about getting clear and, and by getting clear. Oh, that's right. It was about, um, I think part of my self identity was like questioned. Um, the same thing like that happened when I quit Microsoft, when I went through this breakup and was like thinking about my future, um, in terms of the relationship area, I realized that I was actually a very much more of a really, I was like a relationship oriented person. I didn't realize this. I thought I was in, I, I thought I was more of a, like a, like a type a, um, like, like type A achievement oriented and like work. Like I, I just thought like, yes, this is what I've always been. But then I realized that, no, I crave love. <laughs> like I crave connection. And if, if push comes to shove, like if I had, if nobody else cared, like I would be like, Lucy, if nobody else cared and you had to choose either, either uh, love or success, right? It's like, if you had to choose, um, which one would you choose? Like either your dream business or it's like your dream relationship. And like, you can't have one or the other. You have, or you can't have both. You, you can only choose one. Like I realized that my answer would be love, right? So I realized, oh my goodness. And I don't know why, but it was such a hit to my self concept. <laughs> like I, like it was really weird. But after I, I resolved that, um, it, it, there was the sense of, it, I, there was a sense of peace and um and effortless decision making <laughs> like i was like okay now i know what to do now and it's been mm-hmm. making it easier to say no to work related stuff because i mm-hmm. because i'm like yeah no i um i need to spend time with you know with people with my loved ones and um and i'm no longer just saying it um uh, because i've i don't know there's something about like clearing up that whole identity thing um and i and i and i i think it's going to keep happening <laughs> as as i live <laughs> yeah so if you can talk to that Lucy, what advice would you give her? I think the advice I would give that Lucy is uh, ask yourself questions where nobody else matters. Like 
I, I think that is when I journal questions where nobody else matters, I come up with the honest, like the most honest things. They're uncomfortable sometimes, but they're really honest. Um, that's the advice I would give her. Actually, that's the advice I would give myself right now. Cause I still find myself like, if I answer a question, like I ask myself, like, you know, what do I want? Uh, you know, a decision making related question. I answer it. Like I can feel sometimes that this doesn't seem complete somehow. And I'm like, and it's almost always because I think somebody else has an opinion. And then I'm like, okay, if that person like doesn't exist anymore, like I literally had to think there was a time earlier in my life where I literally had to think if mom and dad just no longer existed, like, let's just say they just poofed. Now what might, what would your answer? And it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, it, it's like, okay, I, I don't literally want them to go away, but it's like, okay, if they just like poofed out of existence for whatever reason, what would your answer be? And then the answer would change. And I was like, oh my God, I was attached to them. And like, I, and, and so like, that's kind of the exercise. So that's my advice. Like pretend everybody in your life, except, you know, everybody who you think might have an opinion just poofed out of existence. Then what would your answer be? And I think the answer would be completely <laughs> different. Mm-hmm. Wait, but I have a question. Even even though you found your the truth when you are journaling, when you yeah. need to take the action, that still influenced other people in your life. Uh, yes, that would influence other people in my life. But my decision, I think, doesn't. Uh, what I do would influence other people. But my decision to do the thing, I think, does not. Um, I I want to minimize the influence from other people. Um, mm-hmm. Is that is that is that your question? Oh, sorry, um, maybe I didn't understand the question. I guess it's as personally for me, I found like okay, this is the thing I should do. I know, like deep in my heart, this is what I want to do. But when I really take the action in real life, I'm still feel scared because yes. the the thing, the people that I poofed away in my journaling, they they actually still are alive and around me. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That that is right. Um, the poof is the poof is so that you are honest with yourself. Now, what you actually end up doing may 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 change, right? But at least you're honest with yourself. I I, I think there's a difference between being honest with yourself and doing something differently, which still feels bad, versus not being honest with yourself and then doing something different, doing something not in line mm-hmm. with what you want. Um, the second one is more clear. Um, and you actually know what the problem is. The first one, it's like, you don't even know what the problem is. You just feel bad. So there's, there's a huge difference, I think, between those two. But then, um, let's even talk about like, okay, now you know, honestly, what you want. Cause for me, the biggest thing was I didn't even know what I wanted. I, I think that was like super, super annoying. But once I knew what I wanted, then the answers for what to change became just a little bit more, uh, a little bit more clear. And, um, what I find when it comes to like other people, either, either they go in the list of, I don't care what they think. Like they don't really have influence over me. So like for certain people, if they, if they do have some judgment. And when I started Viva, I actually did. I I remember one person was like, well, okay, well, you know, 90, you do know like 98% of startups fail or something like that. And I'm like, yep. And then, and then he was like, okay, well, so when your startup fails, like our team is hiring, you know? And I was like, that's that's a very weird thing. That's a very weird thing to do to try to recruit me. Uh, but but anyway, so like, uh, so there were people like that. Uh, but there were like so much less than I thought. Right? It was like most people d- didn't care what I did. Um, so um, either these people go in the bucket of like I don't really care. Like if they if they say something to me that I don't like, um, it's not like it can do anything to me unless they like actually can have power over me, like. 
I think I'm okay with that as long as I believe that I'm making the right choice. And if they decide to fall away from my life, um, that's totally okay because uh, that means, you know, there's space now for more people to come. Right. So I'm not attached to, um, there, there are the majority of my, my friends. I'm, I, I think there's like the sense of like, I respect, I want to respect what everybody else thinks and, and, and expect that they respect whatever I, I think can do. So if we can't coexist together with different beliefs, then like, then, then, then the natural consequence is we should fall apart and that's okay. And I accept that. Um, or if we coexist and then like, I, I feel like I'm being attacked all the time, then I will also not be available for that anymore. Right. And, and just, and just, you know, not, not hang around. Right. I, why would I hang around with people that make me feel bad? Right. So, so, um, I accept natural consequences. So those are the people, those are like the majority of people in my life that I'm like, okay, you're in this bucket where it's like you, I, I will, I will respect your opinions as long as like, you don't try to like, you know, attack me where we're still, we're, we're going to be cool. Um, and if you fall off, that's okay. And, and then the category of my life, which is like, um, and then the other category, which is a little bit more difficult, right? It's like, it's like your closest people, right? It's like the people it's like your family or like the people you have to like see every day, like your intimate partner or, or whatever. Right. It's, there's a handful of these people, right. They're, they're very sm- small in number, but they have such a strong hold on you and we have, we are so connected. And for them, I usually just pull the bandaid off if I can. Um, I, um, and, and almost always I can where I would pull the bandaid off and just tell them like, this is what, this is what, um, here's where I am right now here's where I want to go. And here's the bridge that I see to get from this point to that point. And, um, and then, and then see what happens. And once it's out, it, it, first of all, it feels a lot better once it's out. Um, and secondly, um, I have this belief that the people who love you the most will always be um, Mm -hmm. on your side when it comes to your happiness. They may have different opinions about what gets you your happiness, but they will always be on the side of your happiness. And if they are not on the side of your happiness, they should not be in your life. Um, (laughs) And, and, and of course that's a very, that's a brutal thing to say, but, but I, I find that in almost all cases, like the people who are like closest to you, they, they, they really do want your best. Ha- they really do want your happiness. So if you keep, if it's, if you're able to tie it back to your happiness, that's why when I start this discussion, I start with, here's where I am right now. And here's where I want to go. I don't talk about the how yet. I just talk about, I'm not happy. I want to get to happy. Right. So, so they they agree. They agree on these two destinations, right? Or the, the, the starting and the end point. And then I give them the how of how I want to get there. Um, Usually there is this, um, like, we can get to a place of like, oh, either, first of all, either they just are fine with it or, um, or they'll say, we get to a place of like, agree to disagree. But ultimately, because they're on the side of happy, Lucy's happiness and not on like the particular house, like, that's what, that's what I think our, con- like, unites us. Um, mm-hmm. and another thing I will say, and this is something that I think, um, um, it happened to me um, and it happened to a couple of friends of mine who were also like second generation immigrants um, where it's like when they first like start, uh, I guess like a lot of people are afraid of like disappointing their parents. So when you start and usually they, uh, and usually it's because they haven't, I I feel like usually it's because they haven't like disappointed them enough. Right. (laughs) And so like what I, uh, what one of my friends told me or Richa, it was Richa actually, is that think of it as like, 
building a muscle, right? You disappoint them a little bit, and then and then you disappoint them a little bit more, and then you disappoint them a little bit more, and then eventually you guys get to a place where it's like like every time you disappoint them like things turn out okay right so eventually you it's almost like training them to be like oh whenever lucy disappoints me things turn out okay so the next time she does it it's not like a big deal anymore like the first time it's going to feel bad and then the second time it's going to feel a little less bad and then i think i'm at the point where with my parents where i can like tell them pretty much anything and and i'll be okay and they'll be okay too um, there will still be disagreements, but it won't feel like the sky is falling. Like the first time I did it, it was, uh, it felt like the sky is falling. Um, but, but then I was like, okay, I, I think we're just used to it now. And so it's not, it's not that big of a deal anymore, but I think that happens over time. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I, when I, when I got married with my, with my husband, we yeah. actually did it secretly. And so uh-huh. one night I, we, we, I invited my parents to our dinner and then I told them that we got married and yeah. my mom was just like happy. And then I was like, why are you not shocked? Like, are you not shocked that I got married sickly? And then she said, oh, you scared me all my, all your life. Like, why would I be scared now? What would I be shocked? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. If I can make that decision again, I would, I will inform them and have them to be <laughs> present at yeah. my wedding scene. <laughs> That's another story. But yeah. yeah. It, it's very interesting. So it's been amazing talking to you. I have a last question for you. Yes. If you are at the end of your life and then you can look back and say, oh, I have lived. I have no regrets. What would this life look like to you? Oh, man. If I can look back and say, man, I lived. I. What would this, what would this life look like? <sighs> Honestly, it's just... Um, I, I feel like I would just be in a state of just like peace and, and I, I would, I, I would have people like not, not like around me, but I, I would know, like be in a state where it's like, I, I have peace and I know that I have like people that I can like talk to. <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly simple. It's actually really, really <laughs> simple. Um, I, I know that as long as I keep following what's true to myself, I don't think I will die with any regrets. Um, and so what that life actually looks like, I don't know, but I know I would feel peaceful and I know I would feel like I'm like, like sounds so cliche. I would feel like I'm surrounded by love <laughs> is what it would feel like. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the most important thing. Yes. And it's so, uh, I guess it's, it's so, yeah, it, it's really cliche, but, um, I think like my, honestly, my dream life would just be like, I get up and then like, I, I sit in a nice, like warm couch and then, and then like, I'm either reading and I'm like, I'm, I'm like reading a book, um, or I'm talking to somebody that, um, that has like interesting stories, exchanging interesting stories with somebody. I think that would just be, that'd be it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, um, in in terms of Coach Viva, if um, audience want to reach out to you and know more about Badass Body Boss program, where can they find you? Yes. So, if you want to learn more about Badass Body Boss, we do have a um, um, uh, like a like a pre- sneak peek preview video into how it works, and then you can also book a free one on one consultation if you're interested. Um, and you can get that at CoachViva.com/boss. 
Um, or if you want, you can check out our um, YouTube channel for videos across like all sorts of different health and fitness topics. And um, you can just search Coach Viva on YouTube. Cool. We will include the links in our podcast show notes. And do you have any personal project to announce? Oh yes, yes. So I have a blog that <laughs> I um. So I have a blog. It's lucyleong.com, um, L-I-A-N-G, and it is um. So most of my creative uh, pr- projects and endeavors I put into my blogs, and um, uh, it's not up yet, but I am going to be um starting um a podcast series um uh, in the in the near future. Um, it's going to be called. I, 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 the working title is Meet Yourself, where uh, basically we talk about the things um, that we did here about like self-discovery and like questions around um, around that. Um, so that that will be coming up soon. Cool. We will be looking forward to your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for the interview today. You are very welcome, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. 